You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or a do-it-for-me kind of home improver, we are here to be your how-to expert. If you've got questions about projects you'd like to tackle around your house, you're in the right place. Help yourself first, though, by reaching out to us with those questions at one eight 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 Money Pit, or simply go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. Hey, here's our first story for today's show. It's a fun one because even though we call lumber that we use for building homes two by something, you know, two by four, two by six, two by eight, did you guys know that it actually measures a lot less than that? So we thought we might share why you may not actually be getting what you pay for when you buy your two by lumber. All right. And also ahead, we get a lot of questions about how to clean tile grout, which always seems to look great the day you put it in, and then it never looks as good ever again. It gets dirty, it gets drab, it's just gross. We're going to share a solution that can restore that new grout brightness. And if you've been chipping away at a lot of ice this winter, we'll share a trick of the trade to help make it disappear, especially when it freezes a garage door shut. And that happens surprisingly often. I hear about it all the time. So we're going to tell you how to unstick your garage door. All right. But most importantly, guys, we want to know how we can help you create your best home ever. From bathrooms to basements and demolition to decor, we're here to share non-biased expertise to help you tackle your to-dos with confidence. So reach out to us right now or really anytime a DIY dilemma comes to mind. You can reach us at one eight 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 Money Pit or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Kayla in Iowa, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Just got married and moved into a new home, and it already had a Honeywell whole home humidifier installed in it, and um, it seemed like a dream come true. I thought it was going to be amazing, but um, we have 100-amp service, and every now and then our breaker will trip, and um, I, you don't even know downstairs unless you're down there. And um, I've gone down a couple of times, and it was the basement is flooded, and it floods like um, over into the other room, like into the where I eventually want to lay carpet and have like a family room. Is that because the dehumidifier uh, condensate pump stops working? I'm not sure what it is. There's like an overfill um, thing for it, and I'm assuming it's supposed to lead to a drain, but the drain is in. Um, 
the laundry room, which is in the opposite direction. Okay, so when everything is working correctly, this dehumidifier is going to take moisture out of the air, drop it into a reservoir, which you either have to empty or it will pump out somewhere. Usually, if it's got a condensate pump associated with it, it can pump up sort of against gravity, and there's a clear plastic tube that goes out and leads to a drain somewhere or even outside the house. If you have a power failure, you know, it's not going to work. Um, and it might um, actually start to leak maybe back into that room where you are. Of course, the dehumidifier is not working at that time, so it's not going to leak for long, but I could see how it could create a bit of a puddle. So your problem is not so much with a dehumidifier, but why you're having a problem uh, popping these breakers. Now, 100-amp service is is actually a pretty darn good service, and it, it frequently doesn't get the respect it deserves. When these breakers pop, it's not usually because you're pulling more than 100 amps. It's because whatever circuit you have on this particular dehumidifier on is uh, needs to be improved, perhaps by adding an additional circuit. But the service for the house should be fine. Okay. Um, it does have a clear hose that leads outside. That's what's going on. When your power goes out, the pump stops working, and that's why it's leaking. Okay? So focus on getting uh, this plugged into a circuit that is a little bit bigger than what you have right now. An electrician could, could help you sort this out, but it's not a big deal to add an additional circuit just for that device. All right. Sounds good. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. We've got AJ on the line who's dealing with a newish house, about nine years old, and it seems to be getting a lot of movement and some cracks are forming. What's going on? There are now some cracks starting to show up in a few places and the front door is jammed. It does not open and various places with the large screws and nails are starting to show up on the wall. I have a feeling that the house is shifting. I don't know why because it's only nine years old and I was wondering if you have seen or heard anything like that and what you might be able to recommend to me. So AJ, the fact that you've been there for nine years, I presume it's you that have been in the house for nine years uh, and are seeing this now means there may be something new happening that's causing this kind of movement. Certainly a door that sticks, uh, a door that uh, needs to be adjusted from season to season, not unusual, but if it's all happening at the same time, then I think it warrants deeper uh, investigation. The fact that you've got uh, walls that have uh, nail pops, very, very common, even some cracks around openings, around where there's intersections of walls and ceilings and that sort of stuff, also very common. But again, since it's happening all at the same time, I think the best way to get into this and find out if there's something to be concerned of is for you to hire a professional home inspector to do an inspection of the house, of these areas, and give an opinion as to whether or not this is an active problem or not, or hire a structural engineer to do the the same thing. That's the first question is, is it active uh, or is it just normal expansion and contraction? The other thing I would say to look out for is whether or not there's been some change, especially with respect to drainage around the house. Sometimes when you get a lot of water that accumulates around a foundation perimeter, even from something as simple as a perennially blocked gutter, that water gets under the foundation and allows some shifting to occur because the the wet soil gives way and lets the building move more than it would if it was dry. That could be a, a contributing cause. But if it's nothing obvious like that, I would definitely call, call a professional and get it evaluated so that you'll know what to do. I can't really speculate today beyond that, but those are the typical reasons that these problems develop. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. 
Plus, every spring, we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Heading to Florida where Carolyn's on the line, has some rusty doors that need painting. How can we help you? I'm needing to repaint or fix my garage doors. They're metal, and I don't know what I have to do. They do have some rust on them. And so I guess I'm going to have to sand them down and treat them, but I just don't really know what to use on them. So that's a pretty straightforward project. So the first thing you need to do is you need to sand off those rust spots because you don't want to paint over the rust. So you want to sand them off. You use a very fine grit sandpaper for that, Um, probably something that's around uh, 200, 300 grit, like an emery paper will work well for that. Uh, and then next, you do need to prime them. I would recommend Rust-Oleum, and uh, you can buy that, uh, you know, by the quart, by the gallon. You don't want to prime that whole door. And by the way, aside from sanding that rust spots, you want to lightly sand the whole door and make sure it's clean because, again, you don't want to have anything in between that and the primer. Then you can use a Rust-Oleum primer on the entire door. Uh, and then on top of that, you're going to use, I would just stay with the Rust-Oleum line and use a top coat of color from there. It's a little tricky when you're dealing with garage doors. You have to sort of have them propped open a little bit because otherwise the door, when it closes, it rubs against the weather stripping. And, and of course, that mars up the paint finish. So you're going to have to sort of pick a day uh, when it's warm enough where you can have that garage door open and let it dry. And uh, just don't put it down all the way. If you leave it a, if you leave it uh, sort of suspended in the air about maybe halfway down, you'll probably be okay. I would work one side at a time. It's going to be a bit of a time-consuming project, but it's pretty straightforward and it's not that difficult. Hey, you want to make our day? Well, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be jumping for joy. Plus, you guys, your feedback helps us make the show even better for you. Just go to moneypit.com/review. All right, now we've got Eric in Michigan on the line who's got a question uh, during a construction project here about an eaves trough. The question is eaves troughs, yes or no, when you're building, does it make a difference if it's on a concrete slab or if you have a basement? Just your thoughts whether to uh, install eaves troughs or not. Yeah, Tom, I, I mean, I've never heard this term before. What What is an eaves trough? Do we have those here? <laughs> ah. Yes, uh, you say gutter, but in Michigan they say eaves trough. Ah, <laughs> the famous tomato, tomato, gutter, tomato, yeah, eaves exa- trough. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Your question is, do I need gutters? And yes, you do. It doesn't matter if you're on a concrete slab or if you have a basement because the gutters are going to manage the water to the foundation perimeter, which is important in both cases. Now, if you let, if you let a lot of water run off your roof, even if you're on a slab, you're going to find that as the soil gets, gets very wet around the foundation, you'll have more settlement and get some cracking. Uh, and also, in some cases, if there's a heavy rainfall, 
you get so much water that because concrete is so hydroscopic, it absorbs water like crazy. It can actually pull that water up into the living space of your house. Now you've got mold issues and everything else. So, yes, you do need gutters. And if you have basements, well, if you don't have gutters, you're just waiting for a flood to happen. You're ready for it because it's going to happen. So, yes, put gutters on the house, put downspouts on the house. Make sure they are extended at least. This is new construction, so I would say at least four or five feet away. And when they do the final grade, do a little bit higher of a grade than they are required to by code because it settles, and it settles quickly. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen the minimum grade just turn flat, like within six months to a year. Now you got no drainage at all, and the water's just sitting there. So that water management is really, really important, Eric, and uh, that's why I think you definitely should have eaves troughs around the around the roof edge of your house. Hmm, that's fancy. I'm going to start using that every day in my life. Oh, that eaves trough is overflowing. Use that in a sentence in your general conversation. Hey, kids, keep those tennis balls out of the eaves trough. There you go. <laughs> Well, guys, if you're just getting started in home improvement projects, you may be confused by the way lumber is sold because you actually get a lot less wood than you think you've paid for. So, for example, let's say you're getting ready to build a shed and you purchased two by fours to build the walls. Now, are you expecting that they actually measure two inches by four inches by whatever length you've got? Now, what you're going to find is that even though they are called two by four, They actually measure one and five eighths inches by three and a half inches. And the same goes for a one by six. You think you're getting a one by six, but you're going to find that it really only measures three quarters by five and a half inches. So what the heck is happening to all that missing lumber that you thought you bought and you paid for? Well, it's actually the effects of more modern lumber production. If you've ever seen a two by four in a really old house, you may notice it actually is two inches by four inches. But now when a tree is cut up to lumber today, Those boards still start at about two inches by four inches, but when they're dried, which actually makes them stronger and then planed to remove all the saw cuts, what you are left with is less. That two by four is now one and five eighths by three and a half, and a two by six is one and five eighths by five and a half, and so on. Yeah. Now, the lumber industry uses two forms of measurement. It's dimensional and it's nominal. Dimensional is the size of the board when it's first milled at the lumber yard, and the nominal size is after it's dried and planed, and it's what you ultimately find in the lumber yard. But the good news is that the length, well, that's always the length. So an eight foot two by four is really eight feet long, but one in five inches thick and three and a half inches wide. Well, except there's always an exception, right? Because if you buy something called a two by four stud, which is actually 93 inches. Any guesses why, Leslie, that is not 96 inches when you buy a 2 by 4 stud? 93, 3 inches short, basically. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, when you buy a stud, if it's called a 2 by 4 stud, it's actually 93 inches long. And here's why. Because it's designed to build a wall with, and the top and bottom sill, so the top horizontal piece of the wall and the bottom horizontal piece, is going to make up for that additional 3 inches and give you an 8-foot tall wall which happens to be the same size as the drywall you're going to attach to it. So, yes, if you buy a stud, it's actually shorter than just buying an eight-footer. All right, I love it. Making things easy. Or not. <laughs> Heading out to Fayetteville, Pennsylvania, where Deb's on the line. So I've heard about ring around the collar. I've heard about ring around the tub. But you've got a ring around the sink? What's going on? My problem is that I have a bathroom counter combination sink that's beautiful. It's creamy yellow. I love it. Nothing's wrong with it except right around the drain is this ugly black that won't come off. And my husband says we might have to just replace the whole thing. I said, that's ridiculous. Everything's perfect except that spot. There's got to be something to use. He mentioned something like a lime away. 
We haven't tried anything yet, but it's like I said, just the ring around the drain part. Everything else in the sink is perfect. I hate to get rid of the whole thing for that. There's got to be something. Even if we have to sand it or something, maybe there's a new product to get rid of that black. But it's really a shame because everything else is perfect. Yeah, Deborah, I know what you're talking about. And what happens is that that is the area of the sink with a composite sink, which is pretty sure what, you, what you're referring to, uh, where it really wears, the finish on the sink wears. And then over the years, you get just sort of the dirt and the grime that embeds itself into that space. Sometimes you get a reaction between uh, the metal drain that's there and the sink itself. Uh, it's funny you mentioned sanding. I think if, if it's you've tunneled this sort of uh, over-the-counter products attempts. I mean, I, I would try CLR maybe just just to make sure you check that off the list. That's the calcium lime rust remover. But uh, I would try that. I would also try an oxygenated bleach. But if those two things don't work, you could consider disconnecting the drain, basically pulling that all out, and then seeing if you could abrade some of that dark area away. With uh, some steel wool, I don't think sandpaper will work, but it would allow you to have a better shot at it. And then when you put it back together, make sure you use a new uh, drain connection from the top side because you will stop getting any additional deterioration. And you might even consider one that's slightly wider. If it has a slightly wider lip on that metal drain, uh, that would actually cover the old black, which is probably forming between uh, the drain itself uh, and the sink. So there's a couple of ideas for you. Hopefully uh, one of those will uh, will straighten this problem out without you having to replace the entire thing. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tuan in Nebraska is on the line with some help on an insulation project. What can we do for you? The home is built in 1935, and I'd like to insulate the exterior walls. What would be the best way to do that? Either foam or blow-in insulation. So you are confident that there's no insulation in those exterior walls right now, Tuan? There's none in there. I'm, I'm very confident. So because we don't want to have you open up all the walls, probably the best thing to do is to do blown-in insulation. That could be blown in from the interior or from the exterior, uh, depending on how where you would like to patch it. To blow in insulation, they drill holes that are about an inch to an inch and a half in diameter, and then usually you use cellulose that's blown in under a slight pressure. And it's important to work with a company that's very experienced with the product because they have ways to make sure it gets to all the spaces it's supposed to get to uh, and accounts for settling of it. For example, one of the ways to do that is after the insulation is installed, um, they'll use an infrared camera to basically scan all your walls and look for cold spots. That would indicate a place where insulation uh, did not get to. So I think blown in is, is, is the way to go with that thermal verification. Okay. So thermal, ask for a thermal verification. Yeah, and it really shouldn't be anything extra. It should just be part of their tools, because otherwise, how do they know they're getting the insulation everywhere it should be? I would also tell you to, to make sure you double-check the amount of insulation you have in your attic, because as uncomfortable you think you might be because of those walls, uh, they are actually responsible for a very small part of the heat loss compared to the attic. So you want to make sure that the insulation overhead uh, in your part of the country is like 15 to 20 inches of fiberglass insulation. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Tuan. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Darlene in Arizona, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Remodeling a bathroom into a laundry room because there was no laundry room there and three bathrooms. <laughs> so um, I put the stick-on linoleum squares on the floor, which was probably a mistake, but it's all down, and now I notice on the edges it's starting to, you know, like, pull up just a little bit. It's fine in the middle, but around the edges. And so I was wondering, um, should I use a silicone around, you know, like, kind of pull them up a little bit, put silicone around there, or like a, a water-based sealant of some kind? I just didn't know quite what to do if, if uh, we put the washing machine in there and there was a leak and... And then I was afraid the whole floor would come up or something. So do you think if you kept pulling the tiles, they would all come up completely? I think the reason why the sides are, maybe the floor isn't quite even on the you know, on the edges or something. I'm, I'm just thinking that maybe it wasn't quite even. In, in, it's not every every side, but just part of it. Right where the washer is going to be, as a matter of fact. Well, look, if, if you were to be able to lift up those edges and add a, add a tile adhesive underneath that... Um, a regular floor tile adhesive, the kind of tile adhesive that you would use if you're laying down these vinyl tiles from scratch, and then you weighted it um, while it dried, that would probably be the best chance you got of preventing it 
from coming back up again. But I got to tell you that to my experience, that once these seams start to go, you fix one and two more pop up. So this might be something you're you're chasing. And if it's only a small area, what you could also consider is basically replacing the vinyl floor with laminate floor. You know, just a, a small amount of laminate flooring won't be that expensive, and it can be laid down right on top of that vinyl floor. Laminate floors will float. They don't need to be attached. They sort of lock together, and they will lay down on top of that. You know, you'd put a saddle in where you, like, hit the doorways and that kind of stuff, but that would give you a really durable floor. You wouldn't have to worry about it. Well, that'd be better than pulling it all up. That's a good idea. Thank you very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Well, tile grout is a pretty durable material for sealing the spaces between your tiles, but while it always looks clean and bright when you first put it in, it definitely climbs that gross scale pretty quickly thereafter. Now, the good news is that cleaning it is totally a DIY project, and it definitely can change the entire feel of the bathroom. I mean, it really brightens up the space. Now, grout gets dirty from mold, mildew, soap scum, so the first step to cleaning it is to pick the right type of grout cleaner for your tile, and there's two types, acidic and non-acidic, but choosing the right one doesn't depend on how dirty the grout is, it's based on that type of tile that you've got around the grout. Well, that's right. So if the tile is your typical glazed tile, acid-based cleaners are okay, so opt for a good quality commercial tile cleaner, and apply it with a stiff bristle brush or a non-metallic scouring pad. Be sure to wear safety glasses to keep those cleaners from spraying in your eyes as you scrub. Now, for unglazed tiles, these are very attractive, but they're definitely hardest to keep clean. It calls for a natural cleanser. So a paste of baking soda and water works well when applied with a softer medium bristle brush. And finally, for natural stone, don't use those acid-based cleaners, which can damage the surfaces of marble, granite, travertine, limestone, terrazzo, other natural materials. You can definitely use a non-acid-based cleaner or the natural paste method. Now, with any of these, here's a tip. You want to pick up a grout brush. For a few dollars, it's going to save you a ton of time. It's a stiff bristle brush. It's shaped to get into those crevices that hold the grout, and it's got a comfortable handle, so you're not going to get worn out before the dirt leaves the grout because it is going to be a lot of elbow grease here to get that grout clean. You're going to need to follow the directions of the grout cleaner, but it's usually the best to work from the top down, cleaning and rinsing and working in small areas at a time. I mean, it's okay to do a little bit and, you know, come back the next day too, but always make sure you wash away the cleaner in the area that you've been working on. Yep. Now, once your tile is bright again, let's keep it that way, shall we? And the way you do that is by applying a grout sealer. Now, silicone-based sealers are best. I suggest waiting a day or two the grout to thoroughly dry and then apply the sealer this way it will soak in nicely and by the way it's also a good time to take a look at your bathroom vent fan new ones can be automatically operated by a humidistat so after a shower they'll stay on long enough to vent out all that excess moisture so it doesn't settle on the tile and lead to quicker mold or mildew growth all right now we've got sue from ohio on the line welcome to the money pit how can we help you today um yes we had a wooden wheelchair ramp built for my father and it's with the treated lumber and wanted an idea or what product we could use to kind of keep the ice and the snow off of there without damaging the wood. You know, there are different types of salts that can be effective as to prevent snow and ice. What you want to do, though, is make sure that you not use sodium chloride or rock salt. You want to use calcium chloride. Calcium chloride is less corrosive. Uh, it has less of an impact on plants and on pets. 
uh, but does just as good a job of keeping the snow and the ice off. What I would suggest is you take this calcium chloride and you mix it up with, uh, with playground sand, the kind of sand that you might put like in a sandbox, and create sort of a mixture that you can keep handy so that whenever you do get a little bit of ice and snow, you can uh, spread the salt sand mixture down and, and keep that ramp clear. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, good luck with that project, Sue. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now we've got David from Ohio on the line who uh, needs some help making paint stick. I know it's a tricky subject here, but sometimes it really <laughs> just doesn't want to. What's going on? I have questions about redwood siding. I have uh, an older home uh, built in the 50s. Paint has a hard time staying on the place. I've removed most of the paint. And I'm coating it with a Kills exterior oil-based primer. I was hoping to find what a good top coat paint would be for that. Uh, well, you know what? It sounds like you're doing the right thing by priming that siding. Now, if it hadn't been painted, we would have told you to use solid color stain and not paint because solid color stain, as it wears, as it ages, it sort of fades out. Paint, as you've experienced, as it wears, can tend to peel off. But the fact that you've prepped it and now have used a solvent-based kills a primer on the whole thing, I think that was a really smart thing to do because that is what gives you that it's sort of locking sort of adhesion quality. Now, on top of that, in terms of paint quality, I would recommend a, a good quality paint, and by that I mean probably Sherwin-Williams or maybe Benjamin Moore, two very good brands. Within those brands, you're going to have choices as well. I always find, uh, I usually go to the local Sherwin store near me because the guys in there always know a lot about the different variations of paint product that the company makes and can give me a a really good recommendation. So um, I think as long as you stick with those name brands, you're going to be fine. I wouldn't wait too terribly long between the primer and the paint, though, because you don't want that. The primer is not designed to stand up to weather, and you want to get it on as soon as weather will permit. Now, here's a quick tip for a chilly problem. If you've been chipping away a lot of ice this winter season, you may know that that ice can also freeze a garage door shut. If you find yourself frozen in, first try disconnecting that automatic garage door opener and then try opening it manually. If that doesn't work, don't force it, or you could definitely damage that door. Go ahead and spray a lock de-icer along the bottom of the door. And if you don't happen to have one, you can use WD-40 as a de-icing agent because that's, you know, another one of its many uses. Now, you can also pour lukewarm water along the base and then slide a putty knife along the bottom to break away any remaining ice between the door and the concrete floor. It always amazes me how that seam is so, like, contact cement-like. 
you know, between the frozen rubber to the concrete. It just really takes a good effort to break it free when it happens. So now you're good to go. Heading up north to New Hampshire, where we've got Catherine on the line, who's got a roofing question. I mean, it's a roof of a barn, but roof nonetheless. So what's going on? I have an 1890s barn, 30 by 40, that needs a new roof. It has about one inch thick barn board going across the rafters. And I'm wondering if I can put either shingles or a standing seam metal roof right on top of the barn board or if I need to put plywood or some other type of sheathing on top of that barn board before I apply the shingles. Well, that sounds like a really beautiful building. And I'll tell you, as long as that that sheathing is solid sheathing and not spaced sheathing. So in an old building like that, sometimes you have sheathing that's spaced upon which you would nail like a cedar shingle roof. If that's the case, you need to uh, plywood that roof so you have solid sheathing. But if that barn board is continuous, solid, thick, one-inch thick wood, and if there's no major damage in it, there's no rot or big warped sections or anything like that, there's absolutely no reason that you cannot go right on top of that. Of course, you're going to use an appropriate underlayment, like a heavy tar paper or something of that nature, but you could shingle right over that without having to add uh, plywood sheathing. Plywood's not going to add anything to that, but wait. So I think you're good to go. Giovanni in New York, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a septic tank that's uh, a water softener flushes into. And uh, we we put a drywall years ago next to the septic tank for the salt water to regenerate and dump into. But when I, after, I don't know, 25 years or 10 years or 20 years, I can't remember, when they cleaned the septic tank out the last this year, they said the walls are becoming deteriorated to the tank because of the salt, and I might only have a three-year life left in the tank. What's the tank made out of? Concrete. I've never actually seen a septic tank wear out. I mean, I couldn't buy that you may have some deterioration in the walls of the concrete, but, you know, unless they're broken up, I don't know if I would believe that you're going to have a three-year life left in it. I mean, I think those things are pretty indestructible. Now, what did, did you have somebody open it up and inspect the inside of it? Well, they, uh, they cleaned the septic tank out about a month ago uh, before the holidays because you had all the kids and the family coming over. And I was thinking, I didn't ask him the question, is it deteriorating from the inside or is the drywall overflow from the water softener clogged up and pouring salt around the outside of the tank? I haven't been able to get back to him yet. He's not, he didn't return my calls. Yeah. I don't have a high degree in confidence in the advice that you were given on this. I don't think I would be too too concerned about it because I don't see salt deteriorating concrete. You know, it'll deteriorate the surface, but I, I don't think I don't think with all the water that's being run through there, I, I don't see it having that kind of a deteriorate serious deteriorating effect. I mean, if you put rock salt on a concrete sidewalk, it's going to cause it to pit. You know, when you're using salt water along along with the tens of thousands of gallons of other fresh water that gets dumped into that kind of a tank, I just don't see it have, as having the same kind of effect. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Gary in Virginia reached out to Team Money Pit. Now, Gary says, I'm replacing floors and I'm looking for a recommendation here. I have three large dogs and a swimming pool, so the dogs are wet all day. I think he means the dogs have a swimming pool. (laughs) (laughs) I need something that will hold up to their nails running on the floor all day and will not be slippery due to the water from the dogs. Oh, my God, that has got to be a mess. Three big dogs with their hair. I can imagine they're like dragon water. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. and. 
You know, I'm thinking about the Stone Hybrid products as a, as a really good option here because what you need is a product that, A, is absolutely 100% waterproof. So that rules out pretty much everything except for maybe luxury vinyl plank, rigid vinyl plank, that sort of thing. And that's good, and it's pretty durable, but it's not as durable as the Stone Hybrid products. Now, I know that LL Flooring has one called Duravana that I've used. I've tested this stuff when it first came out by trying to cut through it with a with a vibrating sander, and I took my framing hander and banged on it while I had it sit on top of my oak bench. I didn't dent it. I couldn't scratch it. And I've since used it in about three houses, and it's really holding up well. So I think that's probably a perfect option for here. And the best news is not terribly expensive. I think it runs about 4 bucks a square foot, but sometimes you find it for less on sale. So take a look at the Stone Hybrid products uh, from Ella Flooring or any other manufacturer that makes them. I think that's a perfect solution for uh, a floor that's going to really stand up to dogs and, and cats and really any animals that you have around there with those long, scratchy nails. You know, just short of teaching your dogs how to use a towel. I mean, you know, if you can do that, I think we can. Yeah, well, we got a lot that. of other things we can work <laughs> on, too. All right. Now, Tony wrote in saying, I got a new gas water heater with a vent that's an inch shorter than my old one. How do I make it longer? I think he sent a pic. Did you see it, Tom? Yeah, he did. It's basically the draft hood on top of the water heater is is not long enough. So that vent pipe is short by about an inch to an inch and a half. Now, you can't just like align it over the top there because it's not going to work properly. Now, let me just explain what a draft hood does. So the draft hood basically takes air from the house and mixes it with the combustion gas that's coming up through that gas uh, water heater, and then it sends it out to the chimney. And it's got to be installed properly. And so in this case, what you need to do is basically extend that vent. If it was me, I would take the whole thing down and build a new one from scratch because this way I know it's done perfectly. You can't stretch it. You can't just align it over the top of it. You got to replace it. And the other thing to know about the draft hoods is where it opens along the water here. If you ever want to check your venting and make sure that nothing is blocking that chimney, if you put the back of your hand near that, you'll feel the steam coming out, kind of like what comes out of a tea kettle when uh, when it's boiling you feel a little bit of steamy, a little bit of heat coming out of it. Don't touch it because it's hot. Uh, and that's, that means that the chimney is blocked, and that's a problem. You can also hold the match near it and see if the flame leans in. But if there's any indication that it's blocked, it's got to be fixed immediately because then there's a carbon monoxide danger. All right. Well, I hope that helps everybody out. We are always standing by here at Team Money Pit to lend a hand, chat about projects you're working on, help you get inspired to tackle some new projects. Whatever it is, we are here to help. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your day with us. If you've enjoyed the program, we would really appreciate it if you would drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods. We'll be back next time with more great tips. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.